Inside Westminster. Chapter 95. Best Shot. Charles von Stratton had done his best. He had tramped the miles evening after evening, knocking on all the doors of his chosen constituency of Hartlepool. He'd had some good and stimulating conversations and had received some rancorous comments too. But he'd managed to stay polite and positive and had actually enjoyed the experience. Which was good, since it all came to nothing and he ended up third after the final count. He had been glad that no one special, no family member and certainly not Ephemaria, had been in the hall as the count was being announced. Charles von Stratton, 10,603. Third, damn and blast, he'd thought. Good thing I haven't given up the day job. His phone was vibrating in his trouser pocket. He answered it and was glad to hear his lovely Effie. Sorry, darling, she started. Just heard the ghastly news. Don't worry, my sweetheart, von Stratton said reassuringly. It was a bit of a long shot. You're being very brave, caressed Effie. I know how much it's meant to you. I know, I know, but at least I gave it my best shot. I'm certain you did. No one could have done better. Anyway, any news from you all? Questioned Effie. No, I'm waiting for a call from him, so I'd better sign off now. See you tomorrow, he asked hesitatingly. You bet, Effie replied. Can't wait. Me neither. Later, in the early hours of Friday morning, Fudge texted von Stratton. It's shit, but we tried. Von Stratton texted back. See you back at HQ, 2pm. And with that, and after several interviews with local TV channels, no national ones he'd noticed, von Stratton's budding political career ended, really before it had even begun. Fudge's suggestion that the two of them form a new party called the Reform Party was not an idea von Stratton warmed to. For the time being, he'd had enough of trying to be a politician. But you're a natural, Fudge had cajoled back at HQ. Thanks, but I've got a mortgage and school fees to pay and an ex-wife to support, von Stratton said. So I'd better return to making some serious money. Thanks all the same. Yule Fudge shrugged his shoulders but said, let's stay in touch. There's still a need for a party like the Brexit party to keep pushing the Tories. They'd break every promise they could if they're not held accountable. I know, I know, but I've had a bit of a bellyful for the time being, if you don't mind, von Stratton cautioned. Go and have some fun with that gorgeous bird of yours, laughed Fudge. Von Stratton was the sort of man who didn't believe in dwelling on unsavoury matters. He'd just upped and left his wife of ten years, fed up with the nagging and the dying of any intimacy between them, so he could definitely quit politics without a backward glance, let alone any regrets. The past is in your head, the present is in your hands, had been the one thing that had stuck in his mind from all those years at that famous and great alma mater he'd attended. Was that esteemed establishment responsible for his devil-may-care attitude Von Stratton had asked himself a million times. He'd certainly been emotionally cauterised at the tender age of seven when his ferocious father, an emotionally broken mother, had sent him off to prep school. Not to the one down the road, but to one in the remotest far-flung shores of rugged, windswept Scotland. That lad is in danger of turning into a mummy's boy. He needs toughening up. His father, Dangerfield von Stratton, had barked and his worn-out mother had not had the energy or the gumption to disagree.
So off he'd gone, barely capable of blowing his own nose, trunk packed by one of the various skivvies employed by his parents to face the brutal Celtic hordes of juvenile delinquents housed in the ice-cold prison which masqueraded as an educational establishment. None of its inmates needed an excuse to round on one perceived as a lesser being, either in physique, ability or nationality. Everything and anything could rouse the Gallic sensitivities, let alone the offence of having a weedy Sassanac soiling their midst. So Dangerfield's plan had worked, and his son had, had to grow up quickly to survive. This did not mean he'd thrived at prep school. Growing up and thriving were completely different concepts, which neither the father nor his self-centred mother had any idea about, let alone interest in. Interest in.